0: In an issue of CT Magazine, author Lily Barana, she writes how her, how her depression brought her to the brink of suicide until God rescued her. Lily had always been a gloomy person. Even as a small child, she, she suffered bouts of depression. She'd been raised in a Christian home, but... Even so, the darkness within kept deepening. She married and started working as a writer between dark spells that froze her into writer's block for weeks at a time. But then a dangerously deep depressive spell gripped her. I teetered on the brink of suicide, she said. Even with the outward show of a full and happy life, husband, family, health, career, I felt desperate, alone, scared, stained, and worthless. At my lowest low, I asked God for a sign, and God delivered. In the form of a bald eagle soaring across my sightline mere minutes after I'd requested that exact omen. Lily cautiously returned to the church and loved hearing about how God not only redeems us, but emboldens us. Think of Hebrews 13.6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I would love to tell you that God reached down and whisked away my depression. But faith has only made living with it more manageable. It helps that I take my meds with something approaching religious fervor but I can't lay full credit for my well-being at the feet of Big Pharma, for nothing has helped me recover more than receiving God's grace. Depression is most often an invisible illness. People don't know you have it unless you tell them. Through faith in Christ, I feel less alone, she wrote, less ashamed and less likely to conceal my suffering because I know it is heard and believed by God. I'm beholding things with peace and depth I've never experienced before. And through Christ, I am redeemed, the slate wiped clean. According to the World Health Organization, there are approximately 280 million people in the world that have depression. This is just one of many mental health problems plaguing people. Some others include anxiety disorders behavioral and emotional disorders, especially in children, bipolar affective disorder, disassociation and disassociative disorders, eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorders, and paranoia, just to name a few. And it seems the list continues to grow and grow. More and more people are being added to these lists, than there are people getting well. One of the things that Lily said was that God did not swoop down and take her depression away, but that faith has made living with her depression more manageable. And that nothing has helped her more than receiving God's grace and her faith enabled her to experience a peace she had never experienced before notice that she still suffers from depression, but after recognizing her need for God, not to cure depression, but her need for Jesus, her need for redemption, things began to change. Open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome in about AD 57. This book has a didactic genre, meaning it was intended to provide moral instruction. In short, this book to the Romans was intended to help people acquire a belief in Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation for both Jews and Gentiles while instilling godly values into the reader regarding what God says is right and what God says is wrong. One commentator said that Paul had three objectives in writing this epistle first, to teach the fundamental doctrine of salvation to fortify believers against their enemies. Two, to explain the unbelief of Israel and vindicate the faithfulness of God and his dealing with Israel. And three, to give practical instruction concerning Christian living and the society of his day. Today we're going to look at this passage in three ways. First, we'll we'll break this passage down into two sections. And look at those two sections in detail. Then the second, we'll extract some principles that are being taught. And then third, God willing, we'll identify some application for our lives. Romans five one through two. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Notice first that this verse starts off with the word, therefore, which essentially means for that reason or because of that. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, because of what? We have to look back at some of the preceding verses to fully understand this statement. Notice Romans 3, 21-26 talks about God's righteousness being revealed apart from the law. His righteousness is revealed through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. These verses explain that all people are sinners and that there are none who are sinless. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Essentially here, God is saying that those that believe in Jesus Christ and those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are justified. Regardless of their sinfulness, they have been forgiven. So God's righteousness is revealed in his forgiving of sins through faith in Jesus Christ which justifies people or restores the relationship between God and people. In Romans three twenty seven through 31 it's made clear that people who have been justified should not boast because it was God's grace that allowed this justification to happen, and nothing apart from that. Essentially meaning it was all God. And then the Apostle Paul gives some examples, such as Abraham, who Paul says if there was someone who could boast about their faith, it would be Abraham. We all know the story of his faithfulness and his willingness to please God. But Paul says he has something to boast about, but not before God. And in Romans 4, 5-8, Paul quotes David, who said, "'Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven.'" Those who received God's forgiveness are blessed because their sins are covered. So Abraham was good, but not good enough. David acknowledged that being justified through forgiveness of sins is a blessing. And then at the end of chapter 4, right before our passage, Paul says in Romans 4.23-25, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification question. Who are those that believe in Jesus? The Christians. And who are those whose relationship with God have been restored or justified? They're Christians. And so the therefore or because of conjunction in our passage essentially means those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Christians. So you could say, because we are Christians, we have been justified by faith. Or having been forgiven by God, we have peace with God. Simply put, because we are Christians and have been forgiven for our sinfulness, we are at peace with God. This also means that if you are not a Christian, if you have not been justified by Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are not at peace with God. If a person is not a Christian and they are not at peace with God, then they are subject to his wrath, which results in eternal hell. Notice Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The famous Martin Lloyd-Jones once said... Our supreme need, our only need, is to know God, the living God, and the power of his might. We need nothing else. It is just that, the power of the living God, to know that the living God is among us and that nothing else matters. I say, forget everything else. Forget everything else. We need to realize the presence of the living God amongst us. Let everything else be silent. This is no time for minor differences. We all need to know the touch of the power of the living God. Peace with God is a benefit to faith in Jesus Christ. But notice along with this peace with God, the apostle says we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. When a person becomes a Christian, they receive peace from God, reconciliation, ensuring eternal life in and through faith in Jesus Christ. And it also enables access to God access by faith. Remember, this is our faith in Jesus Christ. So, this access is not necessarily you running up to God as though you were perfect, but rather an introduction. One commentator said it like this. The word rendered access can mean either approach or introduction. The latter meaning seems the more appropriate here. We must think of the Father in his exaltation and glory as the one being approached. With the Lord Jesus Christ introducing us as those who belong to him. And so to the Father. Notice Ephesians two seventeen and 18. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. John MacArthur stated that this word always refers to the believer's access to God through Jesus Christ. Again, Christians have peace with God and access to God. Notice into this grace in which we stand. This possession of grace that Christians have is what allows us to have the hope that we have, the hope that we are going to share in the glory of God. Remember, grace is us receiving something that we do not deserve or that we did not earn. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God has given us the ultimate gift of salvation. And he's given us the assurance that our salvation is guaranteed. And because of all of this, we are to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's sum this up. When a person puts their trust in Jesus Christ as the only one who can save them, which he is. Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Instantly, we receive peace with God or are freed from his wrath to come. We are given access to God by that same faith. Jesus will present us to the Father as his own, and we are given the reassurance of God's promises, the hope of the glory of God which we are to rejoice in. As Christians, our faith in Jesus Christ should trump over all our troubles. Pastor Jeremy Treat wrote this article, which said this, my high school basketball coach was a classic old school screamer who motivated with fear and shame. His voice was powerful, but I heard it only when I did something wrong. If I turned the ball over on a fence... Or blew my assignment on defense. Practice would stop and the shaming would begin. Red in the cheeks and foaming at the mouth, he would scream until I had to wipe the spit off the side of my face. I never really knew him outside of basketball. But I knew he was an angry man. Many people have a similar view of God. They believe he's a grumpy old man who, gets his, who, who has to get his way. And that when he doesn't, he will shame guilt, and scare people to get them in line. Although most wouldn't say it out loud, deep down, many believers think of God as the God who is out to get me, the God who is waiting for us to mess up so we can get his divine quota for punishing sin. Perhaps this comes from a particular teaching or from a bad experience with a church or a Christian. But either way, this is how many functionally view God. When we open the Bible, we encounter a very different God, the God who delights, the God who sings, and the God who saves. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God's rejoicing in us today gives us hope for tomorrow. Isaiah sixty five seventeen through nineteen for behold I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Many people take that fear and shame view of God like Pastor Jeremy did about his basketball coach because bad things happen in our lives. Things that are hard to deal with, things that we wish wouldn't happen. And sometimes when they do, we forget that God has not forsaken us, but rather has a plan for us. We forget that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth for us and that the things that we face here are not permanent but they are very important. How do I know they are important? Notice the second part of our passage in Romans 5, 3-5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out In our hearts, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's break this down into a few parts. First, notice Paul says, Not only that, meaning not only have we been justified by faith, not only do we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not only do we have access to God. Not only do we have the assurance of God's grace, and not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also glory in tribulations. The Greek word for tribulation is philipsis, which can also be translated as trouble or oppression. Paul uses this word to describe troubles in everyday life. It's important to point out that just because we have peace with God Does not mean that we have peace with other people. Or even with our environment. Remember Jesus Christ himself had to face oppression. And he said this in Matthew 5.12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Most adult people are familiar with typical life problems or troubles because we've all experienced some of them in different quantities. And the list seems endless sometimes, especially when you're going through some tough ones or experiencing many troubles at the same time. Remember the expression, when it rains, it pours. I mean, it sure feels like that sometimes. Health troubles, work troubles, emotional troubles, friend troubles, relationship troubles, money troubles, self-esteem troubles, and the list just goes on and on. But while these troubles are sometimes hard to deal with, according to this passage, there is great value in experiencing trouble. When our focus is on our future glory with God. The prophet Isaiah said, you, meaning God, will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. Again, peace with God does not mean no trouble, but it does mean that he's not going to let us go through trouble for nothing. If we keep our eyes on him while going through trouble, we're going to get something out of it, something valuable. Notice again, tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. What exactly is perseverance? According to one source, perseverance means maintaining Christian faith through the trying times of life. Believers, Christians, are expected not only to endure trouble, but also to faithfully stand against opposition, attack, and discouragement. This is something that is so important and oftentimes we fail miserably. Sometimes when people face troubles, instead of maintaining a Christian perspective, we tend to get agitated from prolonged trouble and do everything we can to not feel the way that we do. Some people, including Christians, take to drinking alcohol to mask how they are feeling or consume drugs to feel numb. Others who are facing trouble become mean to those who are not and treat Christian brothers and sisters poorly. However, we are called as Christians to maintain our Christian faith through the trying times of life. That doesn't mean that we don't seek relief when needed, but we certainly don't do the things that we know God hates in order to feel better. We should not sin to feel better. And when we do persevere, when we do keep the faith during tribulations, the Bible says it will produce character. And what is character? A person's character is their mental and moral qualities. And for Christians, these qualities that are produced through faithful perseverance are things like being blameless, harmless, bold, devout, God-fearing, Christ-following, humble, led by the Spirit, and zealous for good works. Have you ever... Met one of those little old ladies that have suffered loss, suffered health problems, suffered in some cases what seems to be unbearable troubles in life, and yet they maintain their faith and their character, and you, you just feel better after talking to them because they inspire you to be better Christians. I've met many people like that. Many of them attend, attend this church here. Some of you remember our guest speaker, David Ring. A man who endured a lifetime of trouble. And yet, through his perseverance, he has developed a Christian character that is unmatched by anyone I have ever met. And that Christian character, as the Bible says, will produce hope. What is hope? One source said that hope is a trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that we, or that what God has done for us in the past, guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This is in contrast to the world's definition of hope, which is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Notice in that statement, the world's definition of hope, a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Think about that for a second. People who suffer typically want it to stop because it's unpleasant or painful and hard. And who can blame them? But notice that the hope produced from Christian character is not like the world where we just want what we want. Rather, a hope of trustful expectation that God will, when the time is right, fulfill his promises. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1-5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice this last section. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's hard sometimes to explain to a non-believer why we're so sure about Jesus Christ. I've heard many non-Christians say, you Christians, you always say that Jesus is the only way. You say that there is no other way to heaven, and I just don't believe that. He was just some Jewish guy. But when a Christian thinks about Jesus Christ on the cross, they don't see some Jewish guy. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And when we think about Jesus on the cross, we not only see the love of God being demonstrated, we can feel the overwhelming love of God being poured out in that act of salvation. The hope of a Christian does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I read an article called, Hope is an Essential Part of Life, that said this, Humans seek hope like moths seek seek after light. It's intrinsic to who we are. Neuroscientist Tali Sharat argues hope is so essential to our survival that it is hardwired into our brains, arguing that it can be the difference between living a healthier life versus one trapped by despair. Studies show hopeful college kids get higher GPAs and are more likely to graduate. Hopeful athletes perform better on the field, cope better with injuries, and have greater mental adjustment when situations change. In one study of the elderly, those who said that they felt hopeless were more than twice as likely to die during the study follow-up period than those who were more hopeful. It's pretty clear. Hope is powerful, catalytic. And why Dr. Shane Lopez, the psychologist who was regarded as the world's leading researcher on hope, claimed that hope isn't just an emotion, but an essential life tool. Again, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Christians have been justified by faith, We have peace with God. We have access to God. We have the assurance of God's promises and therefore, principle one, we should rejoice in our faith. We should rejoice in our faith. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but feeling down about the things in your life can be contagious. It can be depressing sometimes. And so choosing to rejoice in the Lord may take some thought and it may take some effort. For example... You need to seriously consider your relationship with God and ask yourself Do I trust in God and the assurance of His salvation? If you do, then you need to pray often, read your Bible, and be thankful for that. And if you don't, then you need to pray often, read your Bible. And confess to God your lack of faith. Because according to the verse we just read, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been clothed with the garments of salvation and have been covered with the robes of righteousness. Just like a bridegroom and bride have been all dolled up before their wedding. You need to look at the blessings in your life. Write them down on a piece of paper so that when trouble comes, you can pull it out. And remember how many wonderful things God has given you. Now, I'm not saying that people should jump up and down for joy when trouble comes. But you can face it knowing that you have a God that loves you. You need to work on the relationships in your life. Christians have been giving an amazing gift of assembly, the church. And we are surrounded by people that we can love on in their times of trouble. And they can love on us in our times of trouble. Imagine if everyone in the church were to act as a community of believers. All loving God and loving each other. One thing I can tell you is that since its inception, the church has been the target of the enemy. Because when, when united, the power is unstoppable. Last, you need to serve. Serve. When you sit around feeling sorry for yourself, it's the perfect opportunity for Satan to exploit your weaknesses. You will be tempted. Nobody helps me, why should I help others? Nobody loves me, why should I love others? If you truly want to have joy, then you need to think of others before yourself, contrary to what the world teaches. Christians are not free from troubles, of this life, but we know that tribulation produces perseverance. And we know that perseverance produces character. And we know that character produces hope. And so principle two is we should stand fast in the faith. We should stand fast in the faith. Notice 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified, Listen, we all have limitations. We all have struggles in our lives. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have been promised the prize already. Think about that for a minute. You are in the race, and you are headed for the finish line, and you have been guaranteed first place because you have a God who loves you. So even when the troubles come, you can... Keep your eyes on the prize and keep going. Don't worry about what someone else is doing or if they seem to be running faster or slower than you. Just keep running. You have to discipline yourselves to do this. Here are four ways to improve spiritual discipline. You have to learn to be committed to God. And so make a plan to read your Bibles and pray. Every day. Even if it's for one minute. The point is to be consistent. I found that I love to listen to the audio Bible when I'm doing my morning stretch routine. I think it's great. And it's a good way to get my day started. I recommend it. You can get your family and your friends involved to help hold you accountable. I get so busy sometimes I forget about little things. Our son Ewan who's just right over there, will remind me often at the dinner table that we have to pray before we eat. And I think that's awesome. You can get involved in something new. Some way to increase your service to God in this church. We have many ministries and, and a lot of cool ways that you can help out. And you need to identify some of the distracting things that are in your life and cut some of those things out. And this could be anything that keeps you from focusing on God. Remember to rejoice in the Lord and to stand fast in the faith. We are Christians and we have God on our side. I read an article by Dave Dorer on Resurgence.com called Firefighters are for weak people that said this. Recently, a firefighter in our church was told by one of his colleagues that belief in Jesus was for weak people. I found that ironic coming from a firefighter. I have a fire hydrant in the yard that runs alongside the the side of the house. I've never looked at the fire hydrant and felt any shame. I drive by a firehouse every day and I've never thought... If this community didn't have weak people, we would not need firehouses. And when I pay my property tax every month, taxes that help finance fire departments, I never get angry at myself, thinking if I could just handle fires on my own, I wouldn't have to write this check. Imagine a person whose house is on fire. The fire is raging out of control, and soon a fire truck pulls up, sirens blaring. The person runs out of their house in a rage and says, How dare you come to my house and think that I can't handle this fire myself? (laughs) Firefighters are for weak people, not for me. What would you think of someone like that? You would think they were insane. We know that fire departments are for weak people because a power exists that we simply can't deal with on our own. Fire. Actually, we admire firefighters because they are people who have committed themselves to take on the power of fire at personal expense. Christians are weak in the same sense that a community is weak for having fire departments. They are people who acknowledge that a power exists that they cannot confront and live. The holiness of God. This, however, is not cause for shame because there was a man, Jesus Christ, who dealt with that power at his own personal expense on the cross. When someone is rescued from the flames, they're not thinking about their weakness, they're overjoyed that someone would risk it all to save them, as should we be through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, for this message. Thank you so much for your goodness and kindness. You're an amazing God. We're so grateful that you sent Jesus to save us. And it's my prayer today, Lord, that each of us would live in that, that we would live our lives knowing that you are with us and that you have provided for us. And that no matter what trouble we face, no matter what hardships we endure, we know that in the end, it will all be worth it. Thank you, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.